My name's Jeff Schmidt. Uh, for those of you that I haven't had the pleasure to meet yet, and my family and I have been coming to Hope now for almost five years, which is a little crazy. It goes very, very... Really a joy for me to be able to, to be up here in front of you this morning and to share this message. And I also oversee our men's ministry here, which, you know, Corey kind of stole some of my thunder, which is great. He went through all the small groups, but we do have a Wednesday night men's group that meets right next door in the Parsonage, and we have just slowly been working our way through the book of Mark. Uh, no materials, no videos to watch. We read the word, we talk about it. And uh, we started back in September. We're still in chapter 10. Um, Mark is the shortest of the Gospels. That could be why I picked it, yet it might take us a full year just to get through those 16 chapters. And it's just been a pleasure to, to do that with certain men in this church. And I would encourage you, if you've never come out and you are a guy, please, you know, come check it out. We're not scary. You don't, you don't even have to talk. I I'm, definitely don't force people into participating. Um, I just want us to grow closer together as a church. So before I start, I'd just like to pray. Lord Jesus, uh, we thank you for this morning, and I pray that through our time together, uh, through studying your word, Lord, that we would each take some step closer to you. Um, grateful for this day and, and thankful for every day that you bless us with. Please be with this congregation. Um, and be with me as I deliver this message. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so we are going to be in chapter 5 of 1 Thessalonians this morning. Um, quick bit of advice. If you don't give sermons a lot, maybe it's easier to pick something from like Luke, because I'm going to have to say Thessalonians and Thessalonica a lot of times this morning, and, and it's not the easiest thing to pronounce, but... Um, this letter was written by the Apostle Paul, and it's written to the church in Thessalonica. And this was one of Paul's, actually his earliest writings, and he was writing to a church of relatively new believers. The chapter starts off talking a little bit about the impending return of Christ, and we will get back to that kind of later on in my message this morning. But where I'd like to start, and I believe Bob read it for us this morning, is down in verse 16. So if you have your bulletin there, and I'll read it again for you. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 through 19. Paul says, Always be joyful. Never stop praying. Be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. And as I mentioned, Paul was writing this letter to a church of relatively new believers. And, and these four verses here are just really blunt instructions, short and to the point on how a Christian or a believer of the way back then um, should conduct themselves. So if we look at verse 16, always be joyful. Sounds fantastic, right? Like who would not want to always be joyful? It may be difficult to do, difficult to put into practice, but we can understand what Paul's getting at and what he's instructing us to do. Verse 17, pretty much the same. Never stop praying. There's not really any ambiguity there, right? Never stop praying. Okay, I understand what that means. But man, it, it, that's a high goal. And I don't know if I could ever attain that, but that is what Paul is exhorting the believers to, to shoot for. Verse 18, be thankful in all circumstances. Again, what a fantastic goal for how we could approach life, but how difficult is that? All circumstances, no matter what you're going through, to be thankful. And as hard as that may be, 
we still understand what Paul is getting at. And that brings us to verse 19. In the New Living Translation, which is what um, I had read for you and Bob had read, it says, do not stifle the Holy Spirit. And the New King James says, do not quench the Spirit. I don't know about you, but this one isn't as easy to understand, right? Always pray, always be thankful, always be joyful. Okay, I got that. And then do not quench the Holy Spirit. Like, what does that even mean? What is Paul talking about? How do we do that? How do we stop from doing that? And for most of this morning, this is where we're going to spend our time on this very short verse. Do not stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not quench the Spirit. So to start off, um, just wanted to give you a quick background of the Holy Spirit. So the God of the Bible, the, the God that we serve here at Hope Community Church is what is known as a triune God. We have God the Father, we have God the Son, who is Jesus Christ, and we have God the Holy Spirit. Another word you may have heard is the Trinity, and that is the Trinity. You have three in one, and the Holy Spirit is one of those three. In the Gospel of John, there's numerous references to the Holy Spirit. Uh, John 14, 26 Jesus says, but when the Father sends the Advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. And if we look at the book of Acts, um, from Acts 1.8, it says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere, in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And then finally in Acts chapter 2, as Jesus had promised on the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was poured out on the believers that had gathered in the upper room. And that same Spirit that was sent on the day of Pentecost is also promised to every believer, myself and all of you included, that would follow. So if you sit here this morning as a follower of Jesus Christ, that same Holy Spirit dwells within you. So now that we have this real quick, short summary background of who the Holy Spirit is, let's go back to verse 19, and Paul is instructing us not to quench or stifle the Spirit. So what does that mean, and like, how would that be possible? What would that look like in my own life if I were to do that? And I think the best illustration that at least I could think of is that oftentimes throughout Scripture, the Holy Spirit is represented by flames or a fire. So just imagine every single one of us here that is a believer and has the Holy Spirit dwelling within us, there is this fire within you. And we are, for some reason or another, just running around like these accidental firefighters, right? We've got our little fire extinguishers, and we're just putting these flames out, right? God is kindling this flame. There's this fire burning within us, yet at every turn we may be trying to put that very fire out. And it might seem illogical for a believer and a follower of Christ to not want to follow the path that Jesus has set for you. Um, but I know in my own life that that can happen quite often and quite easily. That it is really easy to rationalize things, ignore things that you're hearing, and just say, nope, I know better. I'm going my own way. So how do we stop from doing this? Paul is telling us, don't quench the Spirit. 
So in order to stop that, I think we need to understand what it is that the Spirit is trying to do within our lives. You may have heard this very Christian-y term called sanctification. And this is this ongoing process of the Holy Spirit refining us and moving us along to ever-increasing holiness. It's this process of sanctification or being set apart. And the end goal of this process of sanctification is Christ Jesus himself. Day by day as believers, we should be taking a step closer to the image of Jesus Christ. And we're never going to get there. That shouldn't stop us from obeying and listening and following along this path. I was doing a little research for this morning. Um, Some of the Bible commentaries I like to read were written by a pastor named John MacArthur. And he kind of summed it up nicely, and I, I liked what he had to say about three primary ways that the Spirit is trying to accomplish this work of sanctification. The first is through the Word. The Scriptures, the Bibles that you have on your phone, the Bibles that are in the back of the pews there, the Bible that I'm reading these quotes out of, was written by men under the influence of the Holy Spirit. And that same Holy Spirit, as we read the Scripture, will illuminate those Scriptures for us. The Holy Spirit, He helps us understand what it is we're reading. Because, to be honest, without Him, sometimes you can read what's in the Bible and it is like, I don't know what this is saying. And if you felt that, believe me, you're not alone. So that's one, through the Word of God. The second way, by bringing us closer to God the Father. And that is primarily accomplished through helping to facilitate an intimate relationship through prayer. Right? The Holy Spirit intercedes with the Father on our behalf. So we have the Word, we have the prayer, and then number three, by nudging us along or kind of pushing us the way that we need to be going and causing us to obey. So this process of obedience, the Spirit will speak to us, and then it's up to us to determine whether or not we're going to obey what we're hearing or we're going to go our own way. There's way too much in each of these three points for me to try to cover that this morning. Um, I do know what today is. I know people have plans this afternoon. So um, we're going to focus on number three, obedience. And, you know, that might be a tough one for a lot of us, myself included, to want to follow, right? Like, I kind of want to be able to control everything. I think I know what's best most times. And, uh, you know, it's tough to have somebody else tell me what to do. Um, so the best way I felt that I could relate to you now is just share a story from my past. And for some of you in here, uh, this will be an old story, um, so bear with me if you've heard this before. But, you know, I've had the opportunity to be up here, I think this is my fifth time now on a Sunday. And I look back through my older messages to see, like, when had I actually talked about this in a setting such as this before? And it was actually June of 2018. So it's hard to even remember what June of 2018 was, right? Like that's before COVID-19. Look around. We were not in this building. Take a look at who's sitting with you. So many new faces. I see new faces almost every single week. And it's just fantastic. So I feel like I can share this again without risking too much redundancy. But again, if you've heard it before, um, don't fall asleep. You never know. The Spirit might have something else to say to you that, that didn't get through last time. 
So as you may or may not know, um, what seems like a long time ago now, I had a drinking problem. Um, I was never one that had to drink alcohol day in and day out. I didn't have to drink when I woke up in the morning. It wasn't like that, but if I had or tried to have one or two beers, it automatically ended up more like 10 or 12, right? And I don't say this to brag. It just is what it is. This is part of who I was. It is not who I am today, thankfully. Um, but I would go into situations saying, okay, I can control this, right? Like, I'll just, I'll have one or two. Well, well three's okay. Well, then the fourth. And then, you know, it just snowballs. No matter what I tried, I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't fight this. So, you know, thinking back, and sometimes it's easier not to think back to that time in my life, but, um, you know, if I'm completely honest with myself, at best, I should have at least had a DUI. At worst, you know, wrecked my truck dead on the side of the road somewhere or sitting in jail because I was the one that crashed into somebody else and, and, and caused that. And I don't know why, but thankfully, none of that ever happened. Um, but that's that's the mindset. That's what I was in during that time in my life. And I had a great job. Um, still do. Still have the same job. I have a wonderful family. I still do. But I was just risking everything far too often for nothing more um, than alcohol. And it, it seems completely ridiculous to me now. Um, but back then, I was powerless. So... You know, I'm sitting up here in front of you now today. You guys may think, oh, well, you know, maybe he grew up in the church. He's been doing this his whole life. I, I did not grow up in the church. Um, I came to faith in my late 20s. I'm now 40 years old, so I'm officially old. Sorry. Um, but when I became a, a Christian back in my late 20s, like, the drinking didn't go away overnight. Um, I was able to, and primarily probably through surrounding myself with different people and, and better influences. Um, I was able to feel like I had things under control. But then I found myself like trying to fix others. Right? I still had this thing in my own life, yet now I was focused on other people's issues. Um, back then, my father-in-law was an alcoholic. I don't believe he would have admitted it. Um, little side note, thankfully now he is also sober for many, many years. So praise God for that. Um, but one day, I vividly remember telling my wife, Kathy, that like, I'm not going to drink with your dad anymore because I don't want to facilitate his problem, right? Like, I was still blind to these issues in my own life. It was easy to point out something in somebody else, but I was still completely blind to what was going on. So it's May 2011. Again, this is almost 11 years ago now. I had just turned 30. I was recently baptized. I was serving in our church. I was serving in the men's group. And, you know, I wasn't doing a lot. I was setting up chairs. I was cleaning up afterwards. But I got invited to go to a pastor's conference, which seemed kind of crazy to me. I had never been to a church retreat, right? I was a new believer. But, you know, these guys saw something or heard something from God that they invited me along to this conference. Seemed a little strange, but I took this step and, and I went. And, you know, we went to this, it was down in Sandy Cove. There was about a thousand guys. And the very first night, there's a man, you know, how this kind of worked was there would just be different sessions. You'd hear somebody speak. You'd have some smaller sessions. The very first session, it is a huge auditorium with a thousand guys and one speaker. 
And he's talking about this process of personal sanctification. Um, you know, that sanctification process I talked about earlier, this path of moving and being set apart, getting closer and closer to the image of Christ. And his focus was on what are the impediments in your life that are preventing God from fully using you? And he used the illustration of a pebble in your shoe, right? Tiny little stone, but if you've got that kind of like jabbing you right there in the bottom of the foot all day long, like how painful will that become? And at some point, you may not even be able to take another step. Something so very, very small can over time become so big. And the whole time he's talking, all I kept thinking was, you have to stop drinking. You have to stop drinking. Like that is all I was hearing. And he you know, probably after a half an hour, 45 minutes, ended his talk, and he said, all right, guys, now, you know, we're just a thousand guys in basically a big basketball court, you know, rearrange your chairs and get together with a couple guys and just pray about whatever it is that God's speaking to you, and, you know, I'd gone down there with a group of 10 or so guys from our church, but I huddled up with three others. I told those guys, like, guys, we need to pray, pray for me, pray with me that I am going to quit drinking, and that's what we did, right? Right there in that auditorium. I still remember it. I can still see those guys' faces. Um, I don't have, you know, a lot of contact with any of them anymore, but, you know, God used them mightily in that time of my life. And just like that, like, it was gone. Um, praise God. And, you know, I was going to pause here a little bit and talk about real quickly, the importance of being in community and a group, because God really used that group to help me in this. I mean, Corey, I know he talked about it last week, he talked about it this morning. Your bulletin is full of opportunities to get connected. So all I want to say about that, on top of what you've already heard, is just, you know, be willing to take that step, even if it's out of your comfort zone, because God doesn't want any of us to be alone. So if you're sitting here this morning, and you're thinking like, well, that's great. You went to this conference with 10 guys and you had these guys that you felt comfortable sharing this with and praying with. If you don't have that in your life, I would encourage you to seek that out. And then for the guys or women in here that do know what that community is like, be willing to invest in others. Because it took me taking a step to go out to a men's group, but it also took these other men to invest the time and energy in me and actively want to see my growth in Christ. So it takes both, right? If you're this far apart, we need to be meeting in the middle. And there's nothing the church cannot do if we are living in community and supporting one another. So um, that's maybe a different sermon for a different day, but I didn't want to go past this part without mentioning that. So back to the story. Um, this was the very first session of what was a three-day conference. So that happened. I didn't mention anything to Kathy. Um, came home a couple days later, and I was telling Kathy what happened, and I said, you know, I'm, I'm not going to drink anymore. And I'm sure she was skeptical, right? I'm sure she's heard similar things before. We've known each other since 10th grade, which is a little crazy because our oldest daughter, Molly, is currently almost wrapping up 10th grade. But the, the entire time she knew me, like, I had these issues. I was a partier in high school, I was a partier in college, and it just, it continued, right? So, for me to come home and say, I'm done, I'm sure there was like, thank you, Jesus, but that apprehension, right? That, is this going to stick type thing. Um, but I will tell you, I did the math, right? Today is February 13th, 2022, and I have been sober for 3,925 days. 
And that is like, it, it's almost an unfathomable number, right? Almost 4,000 days, but that is just a testament to the goodness of our God, right? I mean, it, it's not of myself. It, it is all glory to God for that. Um, because I fought this and I rationalized it for so long, and it finally took me turning that over to God for him to say, yes, this is what I want for you. Thank you. So almost 4,000 days ago, messages were actually still recorded on CDs. I don't know if you guys remember that or have been at churches that would record stuff on CDs, but I actually bought a CD of that guy's message. I still have it in my truck. I don't even know if we own a CD player anymore, but um, I let Kathy listen to it when I got home. And she listened to it, and she said, yeah, that was a good message, right? Like, good message, but there was nothing in that message that really spoke to your particular issue. And the reason why I'm sharing this story when we're talking about stifling the Holy Spirit is because that was the Holy Spirit talking to me through that man from California, right? The Holy Spirit may be saying something to you this morning through these words that I'm speaking. It it is not Jeff talking to you. So I would just highly encourage you to not block that out or rationalize it away because it's very, very easy to do. And I can't sit here and tell you that these past almost 11 years of sobriety have been without difficulty, but, you know, obeying God is not always going to be easy because if it is, everybody would be doing it. You know, this church would be packed full we'd be doing three, four services a week, right? Like, this is not an easy way to live, but it is the best way to live and an incredibly fruitful way to live. And so thankful that this is how my life is these days. Because just like Christ suffered hardships, you know, we too are going to have to undergo hardships as we go through this process of sanctification, this process of moving towards ever-increasing holiness, being set apart, It's not going to be easy. And that's why having support of your church, a community of believers around you, is so very important. We can't underestimate the importance of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And that Spirit, He's dwelling within us, and He wants us to move along this path to ever-increasing holiness. And as I mentioned before, He does this through Word, through illuminating the Scriptures, through prayer, by drawing us closer to the Father, and through obedience, by asking us to take these steps. And if we're resisting in any of these ways, then we're putting out that fire that I talked about that God had kind of kindled in our hearts, right? And we're doing exactly the opposite of what Paul has instructed us. We are quenching that spirit. We are stifling the spirit. But if we want to be like the church in Thessalonica, right? Do not quench the spirit. So, the next time you, you have one of those feelings or you hear something from God, maybe not audible, but you just know He's speaking to you, be willing to say yes. Be willing to take that step, as scary as it might be. So I mentioned early on, you know, we'd be getting back to the beginning of the chapter where it talks about the second coming of Christ. And if, if you have your Bibles open, um, again, still First Thessalonians chapter 5, and back up in verse 2, Paul states, For you know quite well that the day of the Lord's return will come unexpectedly, like a thief in the night. So here's something I want each of us to think about. As believers, as we've covered, we have the Spirit of God dwelling within us, yet at every turn we may be attempting to 
put out that fire or stifle him at every turn? And this is the million dollar question. If Christ were to return tomorrow, would you be ready? Because Paul says, right, the Lord's return will come unexpectedly. So are there things in your life that the Holy Spirit is pointing out, yet you continually ignore him? I mean, you could think about it like a, a stop sign, right? That the Holy Spirit maybe is like a stop sign that pops up figuratively in your mind. And you see it, and you may turn away for a second, but you can rationalize it or justify your behavior, and you just keep on trucking. And then, oh, there's another one. And you blow right past that one, right? That might be the Holy Spirit trying to veer your path, right? To keep you from sinful behavior, not because he wants you to live in this little box, right? It's because he knows what's best for us. And his path is always better than our path. So back to the text, in in verse 4, Paul says, But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are sons of light and sons of the day. You are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. The Spirit of God is dwelling within us, and He is illuminating our lives. Right? We are not in darkness anymore. If you think about Him like a giant spotlight that is shining into the deepest, darkest crevices of our souls. And ultimately, everything will eventually be brought to light. Um, and as a believer, you have no excuse really to be surprised by the second coming of Christ. For His Spirit already resides within us and is hopefully moving us along this path of sanctification. Because we're all going to be held accountable one day when we stand before the Lord. And if this were to occur tomorrow, next week, maybe this afternoon, you know, would each of us be ready? We spend so much time preparing for things in our lives, right? Today's the Super Bowl. Um, I'm sure many of you have a party to go to. Maybe you're the one that are actually hosting the party. Um, For some people, their entire year revolves around this day, right? This one football game. Or what's tomorrow? Any of the guys in here, what's tomorrow? Nobody knows? Valentine's Day. If you didn't know, you have 12 hours notice. Tomorrow is Valentine's Day. Another holiday on the calendar, right, where... We get ready. Maybe you're going out to dinner. Maybe you've got some flowers. You've got some candies. Things like that. And and these are just two silly examples that tend to be today and tomorrow. But what I really want to know is as a church and as individuals, are we prepared for what is the most important day in history when Jesus Christ is going to return to call his saints home? Because we don't know when that day will be. The Bible is very clear. Nobody knows when that day is going to be. But we do need to be ready. We don't have time to go into it this morning, but maybe later today or at some point this week, I would encourage you to look at Matthew 25 and the parable of the ten virgins. You see, there were five that were ready for the bridegroom, and there were five that were not. And those five that were not ready, they were actually shut out of the wedding feast. So just... It's, it's a warning, right? We need to be ready. We need to be prepared. So what is hiding in the back of your closet that you have not yet allowed 
the light to reach, that you've not yet allowed the Holy Spirit to illuminate. Because it's a fact that darkness cannot coexist with light, right? The light will always overtake the darkness. Just think about turning on a flashlight in a basement or lighting a tiny little candle. Even if we lit a candle in this church in the middle of the night, eventually you would be able to see that tiny little flame would overtake the darkness in this giant space. And the Holy Spirit, he lives within us. And that same spirit that fell on the day of Pentecost is trying to prod us and nudge us and and move us in the right direction. And we need to be letting us do his work. For we aren't fooling anybody but ourselves. In Hebrews 4.13, it says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God. Everything is naked and exposed before his eyes, and he is the one to whom we are held accountable. So God already knows what the deal is, and we need to be letting the light. We need to be letting the Holy Spirit work in our lives, and a big part of this is obeying. So I know potentially for some of you, maybe this is bringing up some issues that you just don't want to deal with, right? It's very easy to focus on a football game, to focus on Valentine's Day. It's hard to think about the things that maybe God is asking you to, to step away from or change. And if, if anything has struck a particular nerve this morning, I would just urge you, don't let that feeling pass. Don't let this morning pass. Because as soon as you get home and you get busy with what you're doing, it is so easy to forget what just happened two hours before. So just another... Um, promo for the prayer ministry. There are people here in this church, willing's not even the word, excited to pray with you, excited to pray for you, both before and after service every single Sunday. Um, right next door in the parsonage, I know Bob and Lois will be over there and others may join them. I will hang around up front here as long as I need to. Right? If you just, If there's something you need to get off your chest. If you need somebody to pray for you, don't get in your car or walk home without that happening. So if we turn back to the text, um, Paul ends his letter to the Thessalonians with verse 23 and 24. He says, Now may the God of peace make you holy in every way, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen. For he who calls you is faithful. So who does Paul say will make us holy and blameless, right? It's not us. We are not capable of doing that in our own lives. It's God himself. And God, through the Holy Spirit, is the one who is preparing us for the return of Christ. And we can have the assurance that this is going to happen, not because Jeff's such a great guy, Corey is such a great guy. No, it's because he who calls you is faithful. God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, is the faithful one in the, in the equation. We aren't doing the work, and we aren't the ones that need to be faithful. God's faithful to us no matter how many times we turn away or say no or fight him. And we can rely on his strength when we are weak. Because if you're a believer, you need not worry because God has you in the palm of his hand. He won't let anything come into our lives that we can't handle. 
One last verse from Paul, because I think this is incredibly important. Um, this is from Philippians 1.6. And Paul says, And I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. And I'm sure I'm not alone when I say, like, during my walk with Christ, which is really, I don't know, 12, 13 years at this point, um, there have been times where I just look around, like, Lord, like, what is going on? Like, why, is why are you letting this happen? Or why do I find myself in this place, whether it be a physical location or a mental place, an emotional state, right? Like, we all have those times, like, Lord, God, what, what is going on? Why, why am I dealing with this? But I can cling to these words, and so can you, that God will not abandon us. Because think about it, God who began the good work within you will continue his work, his work, not my work, will continue his work until it is finally finished. So it's not up to us to try and rationalize the things of God, but I truly believe that if we can get out of his way, God can do amazing things in us and through us. Because the Holy Spirit is dwelling within us and is moving us closer to holiness along this path of sanctification. We need to stay in the Word, we need to be prayerful, and we need to be willing to listen and obey. But these three simple instructions can easily be lost in the busyness of our everyday lives. But if we do as Paul instructs in 1 Thessalonians 5.19, we do not quench the Spirit. There are no limits to what we can endure and accomplish both individually and as a church through Christ. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, um, we thank you for your word. Lord, we thank you for the promise of your Holy Spirit, Lord. And we thank you for being such a good God. A God that uh, Lord, gives us the opportunity to choose and sometimes choose to our own detriment, God. But you'll never give up on us. Uh, you always love us. And Lord, I just thank you for that. Thank you for everyone here this morning. I pray that you will have spoken something into their lives. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.